Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and video show which brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience from hundreds, no, thousands of individuals from around the world. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe so you won't miss a new episode. I'm your host, Fritz Bussemaker, and today I'm delighted and privileged to have a conversation with Carlos Hernandez. Carlos, welcome to the program. Hi, Fritz. How are you? Thank you for the invitation. Hey, Carlos, Happy allow to me here. to introduce you to uh, our guests who are uh, either watching or uh, listening to this uh, podcast. You are currently the CEO of at the Pelas Development Group, uh, based out of Costa Rica. Correct. Uh, international real estate professional, and you created some of the most unique and awarded concepts in luxury hotels, which we'll talk about. And you've done that mm -hmm. in Mexico, Bahamas, USA, Central America, uh, including the very famous uh, Atlas Resort and casinos in Bahamas. You have an education at US Kellogg School of Management, and now you're here to talk about how you got there. So, Carlos, we met in Costa Rica because that's where you're based. Correct. That's correct. And so when you, when I was there, you told a lot of stories about the place we, which where we were, and it actually confirms what I also read in your bio. You call yourself a storyteller. Mm -hmm. Correct. Correct. Is that true? <laughs> so what does that, that mean? What what kind of stories do you tell people? I think I think I I it took me it took me several years of experience and several years of until you eventually have the maturity to figure out exactly who you are and you feel comfortable in your own skin. And that's probably the same story with every young, ambitious professional out there as they start their life journey. And it takes a while until you actually figure, at, at end, figure out exactly who you are. And I end, ended up figuring out that I was a storyteller in the sense that for the things I do, which is inspire people to believe in visions where nothing exists yet. And we'll go in a minute to that. But basically, I over the years, I became an, an expert in, in, in developing destinations and resorts in locations where none exist. And uh, it requires vision, but it also requires an ability to tell a story. Because yeah, because, yeah. Uh, other, other human beings are easily inspired if you tell them what you think in the way of a story. And uh, at, after a while, I figured out, oh, I'm very good at this. I'm actually good at taking taking a mission, which is could be very, very business-like. Let's, let's, let's build a destination resort here in this location. And um, hopefully with a, with the hope of generating returns and jobs and economic impact. But once you go to the to the to the point where it's, there's actually nothing there, and it's hard to the naked eye to figure out why it is that we're developing there in this remote area in the north of Costa Rica, in a frontier that was until now largely ignored. I I I, I quickly learned that I'm a storyteller. I can tell okay. stories that help me inspire others to see what I'm seeing, and hopefully. Uh, that creates uh, an impulse to action, right? Okay. So, now, so that's that's why I thought great. I'm a storyteller. You are a story. You are a storyteller today. But let's go back a little bit to the, uh, uh, on the beginning. Um, when, uh, how did you end up in real estate? Was that always something uh, you desired, or was that a more uh, uh, varied uh, background? Well, 
No, I was a very, I was a very typical young uh, kid coming out of high school, like millions of them, not not knowing really what to do with my life. Like I had no idea what was really my vocation. I have no idea. I had very little knowledge about potential paths or professional paths or anything. I didn't have a strong vocations like medicine or law. Uh, but I did I did have some some hints of what was gonna be later. What since I was very, very little, my favorite pastime was imagining worlds with Lego with Lego toys okay. and building stuff like cities, I mean, imaginary cities, imaginary neighborhood blocks with my Lego. Uh, I was also an imaginary explorer. And I had no idea I was going to have to do a lot with my life later on, but I always felt like I was an explorer. I, I used to play with that. And I always loved architecture. But I was never sure that I, was, I wanted to be an architect. It's just I loved design and the built environment. And I always thought that some of the most admirable People were the people that came up with the thing, buildings I like in my own city, Mexico City, where I was born, uh, which is which is uh, a cradle of great architecture, like Legorreta or Barragan. So there's a tradition of all the way down to even the colonial palaces of downtown Mexico City. So I, I was exposed to that aesthetic aspect since early. So I knew that, but I knew little more. I had no idea. And... Uh, I was, uh, but since I like the built environment and I like designs and I like the built environment when it's well done, when I finish high school, I ask, I admire very much a friend of my dad because he he was a builder and uh, I I didn't I, I have no idea what the name of the profession was, but he was a real estate developer uh, and a civil engineer by profession, but most importantly. Of all the friends of my dad, he was the most explorer. He was a hunter and an explorer, and he he did an expedition to Alaska. So I grew up knowing uh, this person, and without him really knowing he was a mentor or a, a figure to me, I always my dad was a lawyer, and I didn't want to be a lawyer. And I was born, okay. but his friend was an explorer, hunter, builder. So I said, I'm going to ask him what to what to do with my life. So I went to his house. I said, like, he was with his friends. They were having fun. I said, hey, how are you, Tonio? Let me introduce. And let me just, can I just ask you a question? I'm, I'm an 18-year-old kid. I'm, I'm having doubts. I don't know if I should study architecture or civil engineer. And he laughed. And he laughed with his friends. I said, oh, my God, you want to be an architect? Like, that's, those are artists. Those, those are hippies. Yeah. You might as well become a hippie. So I, I have no idea what he meant by that, but I say, okay, it's clear. I'm going to be a civil engineer. I'm not going to be an architect. Yeah. And I went to study civil engineer and I, I did well, but I quickly realized I didn't want to be a civil engineer. I didn't want to be a builder. Nevertheless, I finished a career and I was hired by a large construction company and engineering company because that's where you go if you're a civil engineer yeah. in Mexico. Yes. And by pure chance, by pure chance, uh, very young, I mean, working right off college, I this company ended up winning the construction management contracts to a new hotel in the northern Mexico in Cabo. And 
the distinct characteristic of this project was that the developer was not a Mexican company or individual, was a, was a North American developer doing it for a Mexican family. And it was going to become a very innovative project in the sense that it's, it was going to change how luxury hospitality was perceived in Mexico. So this was this was a project that will change forever the 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 landscape of of the potential of luxury yeah. hospitality in a country that before that Mexico before that you will go for vacation but you will never never imagine that you will pay in excess of a thousand dollars a night to stay in Mexico. This project was Ventanas al Paraíso, a Rosewood hotel that until even today. Is, 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 is an iconic trophy asset. And it changed the landscape of luxury in Cabo. Everybody that is in this industry and knows this industry knows very well that Ventanas was really a trendsetter. And I was just very young and I got involved in this team and was thrown to that by accident, right? Like, okay, you young kid, go to that project as well. Uh, and I got exposed to great mentors like Hal Tanish, which was the developer of this hotel at the time. And in an indirect way, I was still part of the construction team. I was not a developer, but I started to realize this world of hospitality, beautifully designed environments. And the reason we were in that team made the company win a second very important contract, the one in Atlantis in Bahamas, which is also an iconic, iconic hotel, very large. Uh, and one of the most innovative hotels at the time in terms of a theme, in terms of this fan, fantastic world that emerges from the ocean with ruins of an of an uh, imaginary civilization lost to the And a great, Atlantic. great water park. I've been there. Great water park that had never, and nobody had ever done a water park of that size with an aquarium of that size in a private resort. And a great, great visionary in the hospitality industry, which was Saul Kessner, which is widely recognized as one of the great visionaries out of South Africa. And uh, again, I'm just part of this team that went from Ventanas al Paraíso to Atlantis, just part of the construction team. But I started to figure out in my head, I said, like, I don't like to be given the blueprints of something. I, I, I don't think that's my role. I don't like to be for a job. For yeah. a construction contract, but Carlos, I don't, don't want to be the guy. Yes. No, go ahead. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but uh, before I forget my uh, thought here, my observation is: you're not only a great storyteller, but you're also a person who listens to the stories other tell you. So it's what your father, the friends of your father, told you. It's listen to the story about the resort in Mexico and the Bahamas, which helps you find your way. Uh, and I was wondering, um, did you recognize that as a key moment in your life at that moment? Or are these yes. incidents you uh, recognize in hindsight? Uh, I recognize them in hindsight. I couldn't recognize them at the moment, but there was a moment in my life when everything connected, when when everything made sense. And that moment was when I met Saul Kessner. Because the impression that made on me was, wow, this is not, this is not, I want to be, who, I don't want to be the builder, I don't want to be there. Who, who's the one 
who decided that the Atlantis civilization had this golden unicorn in the entry, and then there's this palace emerging from the water, throwing water on the port sides of it. Who, who was the crazy man who came up with this thing? And somebody said, well, meet Phil Kessler, the developer. And at that moment, I said, I want to be a developer. Uh-huh. I want to be that man. I want to be... I want to be the person that imagines a story or a world and is able to inspire others to actually build it, to make, to make it reality, to, to articulate it in a way that, oh my God, who came up with this thing? Because one thing is to design a building. So an architect designs what you order, what you commission. A builder builds what is, he is being commissioned to build, what the drawing says. But but I discovered then and there that there was this role, it's almost of a movie producer, which is the developer. And I said, oh, I want to be the developer. And that changed my life because then I, then I pursued this career with, with intention. So I went from just, like a lot of young people out there, like I was just going along what life mm-hmm. throws at you. But, uh... but at least paying enough attention yeah. to at some point said, Oh man, this is all makes sense. I want to be that, and I'm going okay. to pursue it. So, uh, and, and this may be also the the, the lesson for a lot of people uh, watching this that it doesn't really matter if in the beginning of your career, at the beginning of your life, you explore a little bit, discover what you want to do. There's going to be a moment where it clicks and everything fits, and, then, and then you Definitely, take off, because... and then it's good. Yeah, yeah, and 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 wait until I'll tell you how the story makes yeah. a full three sixty, and it even it, it's even a more strong proof of that, what you just said, because I then definitely pursue this with intention, and one of the first intentions was okay, I have done and I, I have I have built an experience as a construction manager in a construction company, but that really is not development. Development has a big side of is 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 the business of the real estate environment. So I needed a business, a business education. So I went and did a master's in finance in Florida. And then shortly after that, I got a job with a firm with, a, at the same time I was doing my master's in finance, I, I, I got a break with a group of real estate developers in Miami, also from Mexico that hired me because of my background in, constru- in, in construction management of hotels, not because I was a developer, but they were developers. So it was the very first time that I intentionally jumped mm-hmm. into a development company. Okay. And this is, a, this is a advice I will give to young people that are interested in real estate development is find a job in a real estate, comp- real estate company and just go along, even if your role is not necessarily to be the developer. I was the construction director, not the developer. But that started to give me exposure to the other side of the business, to the development side of the business, the business, the, the financial performance, the the land acquisition, all the entitlements, the permitting, etc. So, so I started working there, pursuing my master's in finance to to round out my profile. To say, okay, now I'm gonna have, I'm gonna be validated because yeah. build not only a civil engineer but a fin- finance guy. Finished the, the, the master's and went to work, got a break and got, went to work with Fairmont Hotels. And uh, and it was an interesting position because I was still the director of design and construction for Fairmont, but this time I'm definitely in the hospitality industry 
Now I'm with a global recognized hospitality brand. And I went to Mexico to start developing hospitality projects. And, and, uh, and, the, and the last part of that was when the Pelas Group out of Central America with operations in Panama, all the way to Guatemala, which was a, a family conglomerate with, with, with investments in banking and energy uh, headed by a great visionary, uh, Mr. Carlos Pelas, uh, found me, called me to an interview in Panama and and I was offered the opportunity to to lead the master the development of a large mixed use master plan uh, community, which is today in the center of the city of Panama. It's very successful. It's called Santa Maria, and it's one of the first projects I did. Um, I moved with my family there and start working in this new resort lifestyle destination within the city of Panama. And quickly after that. Uh, Carlos Pelas had a vision to put his country in the map, which is Nicaragua. Okay. This is a fifth-generation Nicaraguan family, which uh, has its roots in the in the era where there was no Panama Canal, and his great grandfather, a Genoa immigrant, moved to the to this Central American country because it had the largest navigable uh, freshwater lake called Lake Nicaragua. And this is the a, a time in the 1849s when, when there was a gold rush to California and the safe passage to go from New York to San Francisco was to take this trust, these oceanic boats, both from San Francisco to Nicaragua and Nicaragua to, 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 to New York. Uh, it was a business run by the Vanderbilt family of yeah. New York and their partners in Nicaragua was the Pelas family running these steamboats okay. in the lake. So this is even pre- prior to the Panama Canal. Uh, so a family with great roots and a business, a fascinating businessman like Carlos Pelas, a fifth generation Stanford graduate, had a vision for this country. And the vision was, I want to put it on the map. I want to create a, a, a destination out of the country. I want to I, I find a way to put this country that is full of warm people, has been so generous to his family over the years, I want to do something great. It's a legacy project for him. The challenge is that when he invites me to collaborate with him in those projects, uh, large land land acquisition in the north of, of in the south of Pacific of Nicaragua and the north of Costa Rica, uh, the challenge is that these places are remote. Nicaragua was really not a destination, was really not a top of mind brand destination. Yeah. It doesn't have airlift. It didn't have airlift. So there was no plenty of connectivity. As I like to say, you don't wake up in the morning, have breakfast with the kids in New York and say, okay, kids, pay attention. This summer, is it going to be Disney or Nicaragua? Choose. No, you don't do that. Like yes. it's not, it doesn't come up. So I think uh, it was a very, it, it was a very high tall order of, of a mission, right? It was uh, almost exotic in, in nature. But I was I was really challenged by it, and it, and it, and and all the sum of all the experiences over the years uh, were culminating in this amazing mission. How do we create a destination where none exists, and in the process we elevate the lives and the economic whereabouts of the local people that are very marginalized, that are have never had economic opportunities, and in the process. 
we put a Nicara we put a country in the map for the right reasons and in the news for positive reasons for the warmth of its people for the amazing traditions for the craftsmanship of their artists and not because of famine or war or hurricane how do you do that um, and how you make help this 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 visionary Carlos Pelas achieve this vision and and that's where we started working on on the on the on the development of what will become Mukul, which became an Alberge resort, and it's a jewel of a property in the south Pacific of Nicaragua. And, uh, and and in the process, he acquired land in the North Pacific of Costa Rica, which is really part of this beautiful Costa Esmeralda region. Yeah. And that's and that where until you are that right day, now. Yeah. That's where I am right now, which is truly the last frontier. And it, it, it was going to take a, a Nicaraguan businessman like him to realize the potential of this region, of this Riviera, that also happens to be, as the World Bank, World Bank defines the most marginalized communities in Latin America, happens to be, I mean, those the, the communities that are more exposed uh, and more vulnerable, vulnerable in Latin America are either, either have... Uh, large land protected or their coastal communities or their border communities, where here we have a trifecta. We have the three things because this part of Costa Rica is also what, the second largest national park in the country, the largest protected continuous transit of four different ecosystems, extremely important to the point that it was declared a UNESCO heritage site, but forgotten for, from, from the central government really far from the central uh, metropolis of San Jose, never really overlooked completely by any developer before. So nobody came up here and, uh, and nobody came to Nicaragua either. So 15 years ago, I came to this area and started working in what will define my, my, my vocation for the last 15 years, which is creating these places that through luxury hospitality provided tools or true conservation-based destination that impact the community, create jobs, and becomes a hope, and, a, and, a, and I hope a roadmap of, of, of a possible alternative in the future for other regions in the world that could benefit from, from the approach of merging luxury hospitality with, uh, with conservation. Now, and that's what my, yeah. my passion today, the, where, the, where the, this whole story makes a 360. Imagine yeah. that I come to this country called Nicaragua at the end of a two-hour road, their road, with no paved roads, into a beautiful cove called Manzanillo, but it's like just pasture with cows in a country that also have early and said, and, and, and you say, well, we need to put this place on the map. And the thing that I thought at that moment was, well, there was one project one time that really put my country on the map in terms of luxury, because it appealed, it was a jewel of a property with the power to lift the destination into a new level of high-end traveling uh, rates. And, and that was Ventanas al Paraíso, right? You remember yeah. the story? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in Nicaragua, I had the opportunity 20 something years later to call Hal Tanish, that great developer mentor of mine, to call the same architects and interior designers that at the time when I was young, they were all leading Ventanas al Paraíso. And now I was the developer 25 years later, but I assembled the same team of talented artists, architects, 
interior designers, development consultants, and we basically reassembled what was the original Ventanas Al Paraiso team in Cabo 20 something years before in Nicaragua. And we created one of the most beautiful and amazing jewels of uh, destinations oh, in Central it's, America, it's, which is Guacalito. It's absolutely amazing. And it's called Dreams La Mareas. May I assume that uh, the, did you come up with the name Dreams? Because it, it reminds me of the storytelling you do. You create dreams for people. No, no, casually enough. In Nicaragua, we we partner with a group of, of hospitality okay. uh, that ha that runs the brand Dreams. So there's Dreams okay. Resorts in Mexico and everywhere. But in so so it was really two resorts that we created. We created Mukul in Nicaragua and Dreams in Las Mareas in Costa Rica, which is another part of the story. Because in the case of Costa Rica, the country has a great brand recognition. The destination within Costa Rica was completely. Uh, ignored. It was completely undiscovered. So what we wanted was to find uh, the challenges were different. In, in Costa Rica, the challenges were that we were at the northern border, surrounded by this UNESCO heritage site, uh, a jewel of uh, biodiversity, but there was no potable water. There was no paved roads to get to this location. Uh, there were several villages of fishermen and farmers that live out of wells that were very, very poor. So we needed to find a formula of a large scale enough investment that justifies bringing water, paving roads, uh, doing all this effort, but that could be done in a way that marriage or balances that scale with still good land planning, good land stewardship, making sure it's sustainable, it's not making sure that once it's built, you don't see a gigantic block of no. rooms in the, in the, in the, by the beach. And we, and we accomplished that as well. As you were here a few weeks ago, and um, as you remember, this is a resort that do, does the job of creating jobs, of impacting the community, bringing infrastructure, but it was done in a way that merges with the land goes away, disappears. And if you walk by the beach of Dreams Resort up here you in the will north not, of Costa Rica, you, you will not, you know will not there. see it. Yeah. And I you can, will not personal, know it's there. Yeah. From personal experience, I can vouch for yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Although, uh, it, uh, because it's a world uh, UNESCO World Heritage Site, to what extent do you get critical feedback or questions? Well, because it's a World Heritage Site, the best thing to do is leave it alone and don't develop it. Yes. No, and that's and that's a that's that's a question I I made myself several times. Yeah. Maybe there's places in the world that should be left alone. But what happened is, and what the other side of the coin, and what a lot of people don't understand until you move to these locations, you work in Nicaragua, you work in Costa Rica, in the north, in the border, is like talking with, with talking with the same people that are in charge of protecting and creating these large protected areas. If you sit down with them and you ask them, what is the biggest threat to the area de conservación de Guanacaste? This UNESCO heritage site is ever growing, is really creating a, a continuous uh, transect of eco ecosystems. What is the biggest threat? Because I think it's a fantastic endeavor. It's a jewel. It's, it, it should be kept intact. Should be, should be, should be messed with it. Well, the biggest threat is hunger and unemployment desperation because as I said before, 
what happened is you found that you found that these places are located in regions where they also share territory with populations that are border are, are near the borders are coastal and with half of their land set aside for conservation with little investment in anything else no industry no economic uh, investment over the years what you develop is people that are hungry that don't have they don't have jobs they don't have means to 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 send their kids keep their kids in their towns they have immigration etc so over the years the biggest threat to to this to this protection or this conservation is the is the hungry and the desperation of the people around it it's like if you if you if you don't have a job if you can make a decent living if you don't have a roof eventually well what what is left aside well let's let's burn 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 the burn the the area of conservation uh, to see if you can hunt uh, cut the trees to sell the to sell the timber uh, so at that moment I decided no this this of course is a balance and this is where the luxury comes into the equation at least uh, the thesis or the the lessons I have learned over over the last years of doing this is luxury destinations and luxury hospitality allows you to introduce a model that is is elitist because because it's it's of limited capacity but allows you to introduce a model that says well maybe only a few can travel there but the reason only a few can travel there is because it's okay that only a few impact the region but impact but those few travel to a location and spend so much and uh, that they can integrate a large number of local people and uh, integrate their economies, the farmers, the fishermen into this luxury operation. And hopefully, hopefully by keeping it luxury, by keeping it of low, low volume, high impact, you create the conditions for the rest of the area to remain in conservation and actually cre uh, create a good living for the people that live around it. So that has been our effort here. And that's have, have been our, our, our aim. Yeah. Uh, pursuing a model that introduces tourism, but hopefully in the highest level of tourism, people that appreciate the privilege of having been having given an opportunity to be in there in some of the most wonderful locations of the world. And I truly believe that. I truly believe that luxury hospitality today it may provide us one of the few tools we have to bring economic impact to remote locations. And with the hope also keep them remote and keep them pristine and keep them in good shape. Hey, Carlos, uh, time is moving so fast listening to you. Yeah, I know. There are a couple of uh, questions I still want to ask you before we uh, yes. have to go. Uh, first of all, uh, what does success mean for you? Success to me means that I can... I can I can see to the eyes of my kids and my family uh, with 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 the satisfaction and the and feeling good that what I did with the locations I was given with this beautiful nature that I was given the opportunity to alter is even better today than how I found it before. I want I don't want to be I want to feel that I never be ashamed of telling my kids look. 
I was given an opportunity in the north of Costa Rica, in Nicaragua, and other remote locations. And what I've done is, is even better than what I found. That, that, to me, will be the definition of success after a life spent in, in, this, in this career. And you just mentioned uh, your kid's wife. Um, because it's so far away, it's remote. Um, may I assume they, they live also, they live near you? Yeah, they live near me. They live in, in San Jose. And I have had the privilege of having a wife that is uh, that that had also the explorer, the explorer yeah. uh, spark in here. So so she's even more explorer-oriented uh, than me. So she has gone to all the adventures. She has lived with me in, pa in Panama, in Bahamas, in Nicaragua and Costa Rica. That, 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 that is very important because uh, I'm pretty sure that that 60 or 70% of the success of this story as you go strike, it, it was because she was there with me all the, along, along the way. Absolutely. She was a great uh, partner. I think you want to show this video to her as well, just to confirm that, I guess. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so a last question, Carlos, and I realize I have 10, 20 questions I cannot ask you at this, but one last question. Um, how do you want the world to remember you? What it is what you've done uh, in the north part of Costa Rica? Is that your legacy? Is that something else? What do you feel? Uh, what you... I think I think I I wanna I mean legacy is a very ambitious ambitious word and, and sometimes I mean human beings we have a limited amount of time on this earth. And we should just aim to be good yeah. people to 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 the others, to our friends, family, friends, neighbors. Uh, so I don't think in uh, my life in terms of legacy, I, I'm not I, I'm not that ambitious. But but I want to feel I want to feel I always wanted to feel that what I did was of a higher purpose than just making a living, getting a paycheck, or buying a house. I want to feel after the end of a life that at least in some corner of the world, some community is better off because of what we build in there. I want to feel that uh, the pride and the, and the satisfaction of having given the opportunity to work along great visionaries like Carlos Pelas, and through that work and that partnership with him, we lifted an entire country out of out of uh, what it was we put Nicaragua on the map for a different reason than just bad news or the north of Costa Rica became a prosperous area that allows for the conservation of such a jewel if you can just be remembering these two communities like someone that was able to do a change yeah. I think that would be a, a beautiful way to be remembered Hey, and what Carlos, thank you so much. And also what I remember is, uh, again, you've proven the value of good storytelling because it was fascinating just listening to you. And because thank I you think so much. Your, your, your stories today showed, uh, you could say, what uh, Wish can do because it's, it's an amazing resort. Um, we'll, I'm going to revisit you as discussed. Please. Uh, hopefully Absolutely. people will be very curious uh, and we'll look in their own eyes uh, what you have accomplished. In I, I will. I will encourage. I will encourage whoever is listening to 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 think about the north of Costa Rica. It's really off the beaten path, but within an hour of an international airport, 
but it's the last frontier. And within this frontier, they're going to find one of the most fascinating, bio-intense ecosystems that is really worth visiting. And, uh, and as you witnessed last time, uh, quite a surprise. You wouldn't expect it because, again, until very recently, not even in the maps. It was not even in the maps. It's, on, it's, it's going to be in a map right now. It's, it's behind me. You can point it out. And it's real. Yeah, Thank exactly. So Thank you so much. That was fantastic, Fritz. Thank you very much for the time. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.